0: Don't remember when. Think it's time to watch it again. Follow, subscribe, stay up to date. The episode struck the last Monday. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. Hey there, welcome to the Matt Forgot That Podcast, the place to recollect and reminisce. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to rewatch and review a movie or TV pilot that I've seen before but don't quite remember. It could be a blockbuster, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed, or want to share your own trip down memory lane, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Before we start, I just wanted to wish everyone a happy Halloween, hope you have a good time, stay safe, avoid any products sold by Silver Shamrock. Now, as you should already know, I'm a huge fan of Halloween. On the Matt Watch That podcast, I dedicate the entire month of October to horror movies, including a bonus episode, which is out now. And since it is the last Monday of the month, and it happens to fall on Halloween, I wanted this episode of the Matt Forgot That podcast to also be Halloween-related. Here's the rub. The movie that I decided to watch was The Witches of Eastwick. However, I had 100% confused it with the Roald Dahl movie, The Witches. Because I was watching this thing, saying, where's that little mouse that's running around this hotel? Or whatever the hell it was. And the mouse never came. And I soon realized my faux pas. But I was already down this rabbit hole, so... Apologies that this isn't exactly a horror movie. But you can't really blame me, because this is the Matt Forgot That podcast. I'm telling you in the title. I've forgotten these movies. So mistakes will be made. I hope this doesn't ruin your Halloween spirit, because despite not being a horror movie, it's definitely a good one. Now on to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of 5 stars. 1 star is Skip It, 2 stars Watch at Your Own Risk, 3 stars Standard Fair, 4 stars Worth Checking Out, and 5 stars Must See. Now if I give a title 5 stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. In this episode of the podcast, I'm re-watching and reviewing The Witches of Eastwick from 1987. It was directed by George Miller, who helmed Mad Max, The Road Warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Lorenzo Zoyle, Babe, Pig in the City, and Mad Max Fury Road. He won an Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film of the Year for Happy Feet. The screenplay was written by Michael Christopher, who scribed The Bonfire of the Vanities, Breaking Up, Gia, and Original Sin. It was based on the novel by John Updike, whose works include Rabbit Redux, A Month of Sundays, Couples, and Rabbit Run. The movie stars Jack Nicholson as Daryl Van Horn. The three-time Academy Award winner was born and raised in New Jersey. He grew up believing that his mother was his sister, because she was only 17 and unmarried at the time of his birth. When he was 13, he took a job with William Hanna and Joseph Barbera on the MGM cartoon lot. He was offered a position as an animator, but turned it down because he wanted to be an actor. Cher portrays Alexandra Medford. She made a name for herself as part of the husband and wife duo Sonny and Cher. Together, they sold over 40 million records and appeared in the Sonny and Cher comedy hour which ran for four seasons, 67 episodes. She would appear on Broadway and Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, and be cast in the film adaptation. She would continue balancing a film and solo career, which skyrocketed with hits like I Found Someone, After All, and If I Could Turn Back Time. She's won an Academy Award, Grammy, and Primetime Emmy. Susan Sarandon plays Jane Spofford. She and husband Chris Sarandon both auditioned for the canon film Joe which she got cast in her first role. Even though she appeared in the lead of The Great Waldo Pepper, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Pretty Baby, and Atlantic City, her breakthrough was as Annie Savoy in Bull Durham. This would lead to roles in Thelma and Louise, Lorenzo Zoyle, The Client, and Little Women. She's been nominated for five Academy Awards, winning one for Dead Man Walking. Michelle Pfeiffer performed Suki Ridgemont. She was born and raised in Santa Ana, California, and attended Golden West College. She studied to be a court stenographer before winning the Miss Orange County Beauty Pageant. She soon landed an agent and focused on acting. Her first leading role would be in the sequel, Grease 2, followed by Scarface. She would go on to be nominated for three Academy Awards for Dangerous Liaisons, The Fabulous Baker Boys, and Lovefield. This is what I remember. Jack. There aren't too many performances that you forget by Jack Nicholson, This and the Joker is probably his peak. There was also a bed of snakes, which was pretty memorable. I don't think I'm spoiling anything there, but when it happens, you'll know it. And then I just remember the finale being pretty bombastic. Now I'm heading off to watch the movie. This is what I forgot. During a commencement ceremony at Lennox Elementary School, Principal Walter Neff blathers on about values and morals, keeping honor, dignity, and faith in God. Jane Spofford watches impatiently with the school band. She's the part-time music teacher. She catches the eye of her friends in the crowd, Suki Ridgemont, who sits with her six children, and Alexandra Medford, who appears bored alongside her daughter. The three women look up at the sky, hoping something would happen to stop the sanctimonious speech, and suddenly, a harsh storm invades, pouring rain upon the pristine village of Eastwick. That night, the three women get together for drinks, as they do every Thursday. They talk about how their lives have become monotonous. Alexandra is a sculptor whose husband Ozzy recently passed away. She congratulates Jane on finalizing her divorce from husband Sam, who left her because she couldn't have kids. Suki is a journalist whose husband, Monty, abandons her for having too many kids. They talk about the need to stop hiding, rebound from their past relationships, but there's no one in town that's interesting. They imagine a stranger, a tall, dark prince traveling under a curse, romantic, a foreign prince on a big black horse, handsome, nice eyes. The next morning, word spreads that a mysterious man named Daryl Van Horn has bought the Lennox Mansion, a landmark building in Eastwick. He's from New York and has no wife, no family, claims to need all that room for his pianos. He's made an impression on the town folks, especially the women. He bought all of Alexandra's sculptures, enthusiastically attended Jane's music recital, and asked to be interviewed by Suki for the newspaper. But his arrival has caused Felicia, the wife of newspaper editor Clyde Alden, great distress. She has a feeling, the most terrible feeling, that something's happening. Something evil. Here's a quote without context. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. There's so much I liked about The Witches of Eastwick. There was such great chemistry between the actresses. Even though their characters are different and have distinct personalities, you could feel their bond. I felt Cher had the strongest performance because it wasn't too much of a stretch. She's straightforward and brash. I think Susan Sarandon was less successful as a meager, upright teacher. She shines later on in the film, though. Michelle Pfeiffer is always good. Jack was Jack. I just wanted to mention two supporting actors, Veronica Cartwright from Alien and Richard Jenkins, who is such an underrated character actor, I've never seen him in a bad performance. For fans of the Adams Family films, Carl Strucken, who plays Lurch, has a role as Fidel. I really enjoyed the direction, smooth camera movements, nice framing, cinematography was excellent, I thought the editing was real strong, there was some nice cross-cutting, which is a little old school, but it worked where it was utilized in the film. This is really a decent movie, I liked it. Now for a little trivial trivia, producer John Peters wanted aliens to appear in the movie, despite it not making any sense within the context of the story. Now for those who know the tales of John Peters, this is not surprising. His suggestions are legendary. If you've never heard Kevin Smith talking about his experience on writing Superman Lives and pitching it to John Peters, please pause right now and look it up on YouTube. Kevin Smith, John Peters. Hilarious. You'll never look at Wild Wild West the same. The cinematography was captured by Vilma Sigmund, whose filmography includes Deliverance, The Deer Hunter, The Rose, The Black Dahlia, and won an Academy Award for Best Cinematography for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It was co-edited by Hubert de la Bullery, who worked on Tango and Cash, Mo Money, Blank Check, and had the unenviable task of putting together Highlander 2, The Quickening. And Richard Francis Bruce, who was nominated for three Academy Awards for The Shawshank Redemption, Air Force One, and Seven. The score was composed by John Williams. This could be the first time his name has been mentioned on my podcast, which is surprising considering how many scores he's composed and how much I'm a fan of his work. He's written the music for Superman, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Home Alone, Hook. JFK, and won five Academy Awards for Fiddler on the Roof, Jaws, Star Wars, ET The Extra Terrestrial, and Schindler's List. The runtime is 1 hour 58 minutes. It had a budget of 22 million and gross 63 million at the box office. I give it 4 out of 5 stars. If you've seen The Witches of Eastwick and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattForgotThat. Doom. I'm going to end each podcast with clips that you might have forgotten. It could be movie trailers, music videos, commercials, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there'll be a playlist called Matt Forgot That Playback. Today I'm talking about I'd Really Love to See You Tonight from England Dan and John Ford Coley. It peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart written by Parker McGee, a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, who composed songs for Tanya Tucker and Seals and Crofts, which featured England Dan Seals' older brother Jim. It was off the album Nights Are Forever. If you ever want to encapsulate the 1970s, take a gander at that cover. Between the porn star mustaches, the long hair with bangs, looks like it was shot at a portrait studio, and the orange and green suits with wide lapels, This screams far out, man. It could only get more 70s if they were standing on a big shag carpet. The duo met in high school and soon formed their band. They were referenced in Modern Family when Phil labeled his fists England Dan and John Ford Coley, and Mitchell responds, that's not even a good band. I beg to differ. Granted, like most people, I only know one song by them, but it's a goodie. It's about two people who were once romantically involved that haven't seen each other in a while, and the man is trying to convince the woman to meet up. When the woman shows a little bit of hesitance, the man says, Hey, look, I'm not talking about moving in, and I don't want to change your life, but I'd really love to see you tonight. He gives her some options so she doesn't feel much pressure. We could go for a walk, long drive on the beach, stay at home and watch TV. It doesn't matter to him. It's a great premise for a song, sometimes you just want to be around someone special. It doesn't have to mean much, but their presence is enough to satisfy some need. So I'm going to post the studio version of the song, and a live version on the Midnight Special with Wolfman Jack. After 10 years together, the duo would split, John Ford Coley would form a group with his sisters, Dan Seals had a successful country music career, which included a revamped version of I'd Really Love to See You Tonight, which I'll also include. They're all available in the Matt Forgot That Playback Playlist on YouTube. Check it out. That's all for this edition of Matt Forgot That. Thanks for listening to me reminisce. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or want to share your own trip down memory lane, Use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Head over to MattSoroski.com for the latest news and updates. And come back next time for the rewatch and review. She was born and raised in Santa Ana, California. Clariforna. Clariforna. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite one yet. I think that's going in a promo.